morning. Good morning, John. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a while, friend. It's been a couple of weeks. Three yeah. weeks? Three weeks. weeks. It's been a big couple weeks, John. Yeah? A lot of pink eye. Oh, man. And the disease that didn't have the decency to strike all three of us at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oscar got it first. Then Jill got it. Then as they were recovering, I got it. And then I think Oscar got it again. Can you tell me more about pink eye? Because it seems well, to me that the it, eye and it's then it's the sinuses and the ears and it's it's like a cold that uh, um, that attacks the eyes also particularly, and it's very contagious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. How is it? Is it uh, um, transmitted through uh, sticky fingers? Um, most most of that period, Rolling Stones. Will transmit pink eye to, to the listener. Um, something to do with the auto engineering. I don't know. <clears throat> I think after uh, after they they're no longer under the. Uh, I think it was a revenge from their 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 early manager after he was kicked to the curb. What was his name? Doily Cart. Something like that. Lug Oldham. Andrew Luke Oldham. It was some of his revenge for the disassociation. <laughs> was he cast a spell because he was a wizard? Yeah, yeah. He cast a spell over Sticky Fingers and, and some other albums of that era um, that would give the listener pink eye if they didn't wash their hands frequently enough. You're, uh, and, you're, you're up on the rock history, aren't you? Uh, I had to dig for that. <laughs> I had to you? dig. I had to go back to Gilbert and Sullivan's. <laughs> Manager, work my way up, Andrew <laughs> Lug Oldham. Uh, so that's not a specious name. You actually knew. You actually had that piece of information in your head. That's a real guy. It's in there. The wizard bit is uh, also true. He was kind of wizardy, right? Yeah. I mean, he was. He was their age. I mean, he was their manager, and he was also twenty or twenty-one. Yeah, and just had some uh, was quick-witted and. Uh, Probably had some magical skills. I spend a lot of time with twenty and twenty-one year olds, and I like them very much. But they can't manage things, let alone bands. Once, once in a while, once in a generation. <laughs> How old was Brian Epstein when the a hero will rise? <laughs> Brian Epstein was a little older than the Beatles, I think. He was already a bit of an impresario by then, was he not? I think so. I don't care about the Beatles. What? Man, they get enough. You know what happened? You go to Winfield every year and you hear so many bluegrass Beatles covers that you have <laughs> that it has ruined the Beatles for you. It exposes some of the specious underpinnings of their uh-huh. compositions. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too many chords. I, I feel like I feel like it's uh will spoil the broth. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like it's uh, in fashion at the moment to shit talk the Beatles, especially on the internet, and which is the only place I receive any information mm-hmm. from anyone. Um, but I got to say, as a band that's that is uh, dedicated to the the, the sort of co- collection of uh, chord changes that uh, that that are the hallmark of Beatles songs, I I can't uh, I can't bear it, friend. I think they were. You can't. I think you they can't were bear shit talk on the beats. No, man. All right. 
I mean, I know every note. I know every note of every Beatles song. Of course you do. Of course you do. I know all the lyrics. <laughs> I was just go- I'm having a garage sale today. Yeah. Um, mm. And that's right. It's one of the things fun. I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, garage. We'll talk about garage sales. Uh, and uh, I was going through my records. And I decided to. I don't have that many records anymore. Yeah. Um, but I thought that I still had too many. And so I was going through, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I picked out of maybe 100 records I have left, 20 to unload. And I held, I held the White Album in my hand for a minute, deliberating <laughs> whether I was ready to get rid of it. And I wasn't. I kept it. I deliberated about my Eddie Cochran, Eddie Cochran album. Kept it because yeah. it's a picture disc. Oh, uh, yeah. But I got rid of uh, I got rid of a lot of jazz. Really, a lot, of, a lot of John Coltrane. I was deep in John Coltrane, not ever, not ever really as a listener, but as a record owner. Uh, so, but after right. today, less so. So why why the impulse to get rid of records? I I um because I, I speak as someone who got rid of all his compact discs. My reasoning was they are ugly and take up space, and they're roughly equivalent to the versions that I ripped to MP3. Um, which uh, which audio files will um, disagree with, but I I just don't hear the difference between a, a decently a decently uh, uh, made MP3 and a and a WAV file. So so is it is it is it space or is there a psychic burden to having records that you're not listening to? It's space with books. It's psychic burden. Yeah, but with records, it's really just space. I have to say one of the one of the reasons that I like ebooks for all their flaws, and I and I'll be the first to admit they have them. Um, among them, the the ways that they are sold and distributed, um, and the issue of of uh, digital rights management um, prevent preventing you from reading them any way you want. Uh, I I we're at a point where I feel like it's a it's just a, it's just part of my makeup that I. I I feel constant um, anxiety about the wave of books overtaking our house. They're piled on every surface. Sometimes I I can get into a mood where I f- I find that wonderful uh, mm. because there's something to look at and be interested in within an arm's reach of pretty much every spot in the house. Um, on the other hand, I've you know I'm my mother's son and I I like it tidy. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I I. Uh... What's dominating my... Do you feel like other people should be listening to them if you're not? No. No, I don't mind things going into oblivion. And I don't mind helping things on the, on that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all just pebbles in that river, man. I hear you. But we've, we found ourselves in a, in a place where we move every year. You know, we've moved every year or every year and a half. For for ten years, essentially, yeah, and quite literally. I mean, like we lived in one place. We lived in New Orleans in one house for seven years. Is that the only one you owned? Yeah, and since then we've moved every year, year and a half. That's or really in some burdensome. some form of moving. Like you know, we stayed in the Ravenna house, but I went to D.C. for a year, and then you know we lived in Montana, and uh, it's just been the way it's been, and it's fun. I like to travel. I don't mind. But um, it has an effect on your capital ac- capital acquisition, you know, your, your, the stuff. Yeah. You, you, you learn to get rid of stuff. Yeah. And so the garage, I've been wanting to have a garage sale for years. 
because there's certain things that I don't want to take to goodwill. I don't want to just give away. I don't want to throw away, but I don't want to have. Mm-hmm. And a garage sale seems like a way to get rid of knickknacks, you know, things that have some meaning where you, you can see who's buying it. And by this afternoon, maybe you'll exchange. have a couple hundred dollars you can take to the bakery. Larson's Bakery. Yeah. Yeah. Might. Um, anyway. Um, so, uh, speaking of, uh, speaking obliquely of marriage, as I was on my way back here to the studio to talk to you, I told Rian, I'll see you in an eddy. And, um, I realized that, that this is, uh, I was thinking, I was thinking of you being Eddie, the way you often call yourself Eddie at restaurants, you know, or when you're being introduced Mm -hmm. to somebody new. If I had it all to do over again, I'd go by Eddie. Really? Yeah. I have I have several friends who made a switch, and the old the saved. the old life people knew you know knew her as yeah. Sue, and the new life people knew her as Susan. You know, um, yeah. Eddie would have saved Eddie just would have saved a lot of time. Yeah, Eddie would save a lot of time, a lot of time ordering, a lot of introductions, cut to the chase. Yeah, and I wouldn't have to repeat my name over and over again. Uh, important question: E D D Y. No, no, I think it's an I E. Yeah. It's an Eddie. All right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you if you go with the Y, you've got a you got a little uh, you you've got some interesting connotations on tap. There's a street there. a street in Missoula. Well, yeah, yeah. There's that, but I was thinking of the uh, you know the, the 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 change in the current of a river. The hydrological phenomenon. Yeah, exactly. The hydrological phenomenon. Yeah. You're getting blurry. Are we are we losing audio? Uh, no, the audio is fine. Okay. Good. And you look okay. I'm 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 always I'm on a downward trend of being blurrier every year, so um, uh, don't worry about it. Um, no, I, I told Rian I'll I'll see you in an eddy, meaning an hour, and I just it and that's part of our marriage patois, um, which is we know this guy uh, named Edward Hower, and uh, Hower is an hour, and an hour oh, is an eddy. You know, like like Cockney rhyming slang, essentially. Right. But um, see you should... in a Rutger, you might say. <laughs> three Rutgers from now. Yeah, co- we only uh, have, I'm afraid you only have three Rutgers to live. <laughs> and then, um, uh, it, um, inches. Uh, this is the other one is is inches. Like you you measure measure something. It's seven inches long. It's uh, um. More, <laughs> thank you for the the eyebrows. Um, uh, it's a it's a Maurice because of our representative Maurice Hinchy. Oh, very nice. The inches the hinches, the Maurices. See here we say uh, uh, Maurice me some more mashed potatoes. <laughs> Meaning what? Ma- um, Maurice me a chance. Gib. Gib, give me those mashed potatoes, Maurice yeah. Gib. Oh God, <laughs> give me a oh. chance. Give me some more peas, Maurice. <laughs> me some peas, <laughs> Maurice. <laughs> me just a little more time. You can, <laughs> you can tell that that's a uh, you can tell that that's a reverse engineered uh, term because you would ne- that's not the Gib you would pick. You would oh you think, <laughs> I think I'd, you don't think I would pick Maurice? No. <laughs> Maurice is the greatest gib. 
He's the greatest. He's the greatest Gib of all time. I think he's the only surviving Gib. If you is want proof about who's the greatest, it's who's who's lived the longest, <laughs> who has killed the others in order that he can live like a hyena. You know? <laughs> Which uh, Jacksons are left? Uh, none. That's not true. Latoya, Jan- Janet. Oh, everybody except for Michael. Oh, really? Yeah. And their father, I yeah, guess. That, that tontine has yet to play out. <laughs> you know what? That 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 sentence reminds me that that a podcast is a is a process. It's a learning experience. <laughs> yeah, that's a We're, callback to every last... every every podcast is a um, is a is is every other podcast plus every other podcast. Right. Right. Yeah. So you so now you're having a yard sale, and the, my presumption is that um, the decision has been made to move yet again. We are moving to Portland, Oregon. You know, I'm not sad to hear that, though I love some hanging out with you in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be fun to hang out with you in Portland as well. It will be. Portland is a fun place. I think it will never be, even if I'm there for the rest of my life, it'll never be mine in the way that I feel like Seattle is mine, not really? like possession. I feel like a Seattle, I feel like a citizen of Seattle, both in the way that it's treated me. And I've just, I haven't lived here for 25 years solidly or 20 years solidly, but yeah, I've been here off and on since the mid nineties and I've seen it grow and change. I'm affectionate towards it. And it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty majestic town. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's changes really quickly. It's on a boom right now that I think will make it less interesting for a while. Um, so I think as far as leaving Seattle now is a good time to do it, but probably be a good time to come back in five or six years. But man, uh, it's 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 not a sentimental decision. Um, it's a purely economic one. Yeah. You know, there's a job there for my spouse, and there isn't one here. If we held out a little longer, maybe a job would materialize here. But after after looking for work for Sometime six now. or seven months. I mean, yeah. she's had some work. You know, it hasn't been without having a full time position um, for a while and being actively on the job market. You end up just kind of after a while. You just take what somebody gives you a good job, offers you a good job. You take it. Seems to be the era among uh, people I know for people who ought not to have to be struggling to be struggling. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether it's. Uh, the 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 company I keep and the particular skill set of the people that I like or um but it it seems to me that uh you know it seems to me that Jill has an extraordinarily solid um field that she always ought to be able to find work in it's got to be that there's something something going on with the economy well what the, uh, well the economy's picking up they say um, well in our case it was having a baby you know yeah. she had her she had her she gave birth to Oscar the same day that she took her, you know, national boards in pharmacy. Mm-hmm. And so right as she was right when she, when her classmates were getting their first jobs and people were hiring and looking for people immediately out of pharmacy school, um, or people were going to take year long residencies elsewhere to become, develop a specialty. She was, she wasn't able to do all those things or do them as intensely because, she had a baby. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I think that got her off of the um, 
the treadmill for a while. You know, and she took a a job, a good job. But when that shop closed, she uh, just didn't have some of the preliminary stuff that other people oh. had acquired a few years ago. That now she has. You know? Good. So good. it's that period is behind us. Now she's got a great job. She's happy. Um, we just have to move forward. <laughs> but we have to move. Moving from Seattle to Portland is it's like moving from Brooklyn to Staten Island or to Queens or something, or one part of Brooklyn to another part of Brooklyn. Did you just, yeah, you know? you just compare Portland to Staten Island? Yeah, I guess not very good. But, you know, moving from, it seems like it's within the same borough. Yeah. Moving from one part of Brooklyn to another part of Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, it seems to me it's as as... As big moves go, we shouldn't be too terribly stressful, and uh, it's and you'll also be able to come back and see your friends all the time. Um, yeah, that uh, that drive is not too bad. Um, yeah, I I uh, uh, my friend Laurel Lathrop, former student of mine, um, published this piece yesterday on this website, the Billfold, which I guess is part of the the hairpin empire, along with the All and Splitsider and other other. Um, internet magazines uh called i i leaned in at my nanny job and got fired she had this experience where she uh she, yeah she's a writer uh trying to get her trying to get a writing career going and moved to new york and uh immediately began to struggle as you do when you are a young person in new york without with the, with the skill set of being able to make up stories in your mind no. and um ended up getting what she thought was a pretty good nanny job but uh she talks in this article i'll, I'll uh, put it in the notes about how she she just isn't good at managing money, so the so the inconsistent um, uh, salary was you know she'd be paid according to the number of hours hours worked in a week, and she would try to budget, and then the you know the people would say, oh, we're going away for the weekend, so we don't need you. We're going mm -hmm. away for the week. So she asked, she figured it would be reasonable to just sort of have them calculate how much she typically makes in a month, and then just put her put her on salary, and. Um, the the her employer got in, just enraged that she would she said you you want me to pay you even when you're not working and Laurel said no no no, no. it would be the same amount of money I just like it consistently so that I can budget and uh, she and she got fired <laughs> she, she got fired for dem demanding to be paid consistently um. And with a and the and with the firing came a long note of just nitpicky um, mm. details that clearly this the, her employer had been resenting her for secretly uh. for, for weeks and weeks. Um, and I just I don't know what's wrong with people. People want to want to maintain their uh, class distinctions. Yeah, very badly. Well, you know very the bad. thing the thing about this lady was she. She kept, you know, there was, and I was, I was one of her, uh, I was one of Laurel's uh, um, references. So this, before this lady hired her, she called me and she was big on family. She kept talking about family and how we're, we want, we want to be a big family with our nanny. And uh, I, the, the one, the one alarm bell that went off, she seemed like a nice woman, but when the one alarm bell that went off was, I wanted to be my girl's best friend. To to oh. which I said nothing, <laughs> yeah. but it's like your employee is not going to be your children's best friend. But 
you know, I, uh, you know, I wasn't there for this, but Laurel's very nice. I'm sure she treated the children well. But um, that's an indication of how much money they must have. Uh, what do you think you can buy a best friend for your children? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they're they're very they're very well off. Uh, oh, not if you pay them if you pay them inconsistently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I I, uh, I I I uh, this this whole uh, this whole idea that you're uh, you know you're a family member until you ask for the a slight change in the way your your salary is calculated and yeah. then then suddenly it turns out that you're an, an ungrateful twerp. Yeah, you, you know. I've seen that. I've seen that at other like small offices or small companies or large companies where they talk if they're talking about family that we're all a family that means that we're really committed we're really anti union. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And and are, we're going to exploit you the way that we would exploit, like if we had eight, <laughs> if we were farmers and we had eight strapping sons, um, and some of them wanted to go to the city. No. <laughs> all right. Um, you sent me a video. Well, I uh, sent you uh, the song that's the, my earworm today that I woke up with. Well, I woke up with two songs today. One of them was Choo Choo Chaboogie. Yeah. And the other was uh, uh, Kites Are Fun by The Free Design. <laughs> oh, I've, been listening to the, I've been listening to The Free Design a lot this week, John. Flying kites. Flying kites. Kites are fun. Here, let me. I'm going to put the headphones up to the mic. What, okay, so what? <laughs> kites are fun. What, kites uh, are fun. What is the? Uh, what's the story behind this band? I've never heard of the Free Design. So I, I, there's there's a song of theirs called "Love You," which I've known for years because it is part of the intro music for the podcast I like very much. Jordan Jesse Go, uh, oh, Jesse yeah. Thorne. Um, and uh, I thought it was uh, contemporary. It sounds contemporary. But nostalgic, mm-hmm. uh, and then I saw it, it was in some commercial. Used the song, and I, re- I and I realized that I could probably look it up, and I used, <laughs> I did so, <laughs> and I found me. that that uh, the Free Design was a made a bunch of albums in the late sixties and seventies. Uh, it was a, a two women and a feller uh, vocal group, um, sometimes with a little flute or some other instrumentation, um, and. Um, some albums for kids, and it's just this very um, blissfully narcotic uh, bubble gum with some darkness. Yeah. Um, a ster- a stereo uh, lad sounds a lot, you know, borrowed a lot from them. Uh, I actually, I actually was hearing that in it. And you can hear uh, it, yeah. Because I've started stole a- outright if you if you <laughs> compare the two. I've been uh, I've been on a stereo lab kick, so this is right up my <clears throat> alley right now. Yeah, stereo lab. I think in this case is. Is like the uh, uh, the Robin Thicke to the uh, free to free designs. <laughs> it's a very very white version of the Marvin Gaye uh, situation. Yeah, but it's but great. This seems and, and, and like the, these are all the, these are white people. All there's all all whites oh, yeah, involved very here. White. Very white. Um, and but there's a lot of songs. There's a lot of albums. Yeah, a lot of albums. The best one is, um, and I should have sent this to you. Is is McCarran Airport. A song about McCarran Airport, which I think is the Las Vegas airport. Maybe it's Reno. Yeah. And it's just a song about uh, kind of a little layover at McCarran Airport. And it sounds like an ad. They all sound like ads for shopping centers or appliance stores. 
um, from our youth. You know, where, where the radio station would have, you know, they would produce ads with their own singers, you know. Well, um, this reminds me, do you, are you familiar with um, uh, the musical genre known as Vaporwave? Um, no. Um, it's a, I found out about it, of course, from my, um, my son. Um, and, uh, what it is, it's supposed to sound like, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page here. Vaporwave sometimes serves as both a critique and a parody of consumerist society, 80s yuppie culture, and new age music, while sonically and aesthetically showcasing a nostalgic, curious, nostalgic fascination with their artifacts. That word curious here sounds like a judgment to me. It sounds like it's saying, oh, so you think you're, uh, so you think you're critiquing consumerist society. Curious. What a curious, nostalgic fascination this, this music evinces. Anyway, um, there is, there's one, uh, album, essentially this one album that Owen gave me. Now I've, I'm going to do the horrible thing of opening iTunes and trying to find it because I can't remember the, um, the name of it. But was I'll it Saint, Saint Pepsi? Was it Saint Pepsi? Uh, no, that's not the record. But the the one in question is, um, it's supposed to sound like you're walking through a mall, empty of people, but th- in which uh, music is playing. And as you walk through the mall, the strange echoes of that particular bizarre architectural space kind of present themselves. Um, that was a bad sentence. Hold on. And uh, no, but I like everything you're saying. Yeah, and and yeah. it has you know you can f- the 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 reverb is fascinating. You can feel it um, kind of bouncing off the water features and mm-hmm. in and out of uh, of the you know the high end boutiques and and so on. I I'll I'm scrolling and I will find this album. swirling like a like on a sonic volcano above the orange Julius. Mmm, mmm. Well put, Ed. Very well put. So yeah, um, it, this the but but this is a. It sounds like this is some of the music that has influenced vaporwave and maybe is making fun of. Though I don't like that notion, because uh, it sounds like this music is very good. I think it is. Yeah. McCarran Airport is certainly one that you want you want to listen to. That's that's a just a song or a complete album. It's a song. Yeah. And uh, and of course, love you, which I think you'll realize that you've 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 heard a number of times, yeah, without assigning any authorship to it at all. Um, yeah, it's on the album. Uh, it's on the album Cosmic Peekaboo, I believe. McCarran. Okay, all right. I'll definitely look for it. Here it is. Uh, the album is called um, Hologram Plaza, and it's by uh, the act is Disconscious. All right. I'll uh, listen to that after this. I'll be my uh, garage sale listening. I wasn't sure what I'd listen to during the garage sale. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm going. I'm. I'm sending you a. I'm sending you a link to the the full album is on is on YouTube for your for your streaming pleasure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bloop it to you. I'm going to bloop it right to you. All right. So moving to Portland, if any of our friends listening have any suggestions on how to how to best do that in terms of where to live and where to find work would be much very curious to hear. Although I think 
I think those things will fall together. Are you staying with uh, Jill's people in the meantime? We are, um, I think, going to get an apartment, like a six-month lease somewhere, yep. and then try to, try to buy a house um, after during that period. Oh, what have you sent me here? So uh, I want to talk, we do talk about food sometimes. Uh, last night, uh, friends Shane Farmer and Jeremy Holt uh, went to Duck Island Ale House, yeah. which is over on Aurora by Green Lake. Um, where I've gone a number of times for the best fried chicken I've ever had outside of New Orleans. Whoa. Best fried chicken I've ever had is Willa Mays, but from before a pre K um, Willa Mays um, Scotch House fried chicken. This is almost as good. It's pressure fried fried chicken. The duck. It's, I'm always confused because it's chicken at a place called Duck Island. Mm-hmm. Um, just too many birds are involved in that. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> like, oh, I like to eat my swan at the uh, Flamingo's Starling Hut. Uh, b- just a quick, quick aside before you continue to tell me about Duck Island Ale House and its chicken. Um, Willamette Scotch House, you said pre-K. So since the hurricane, is the chicken different? I think it is different. Well, also, so it was, uh, uh, May was in her 90s. Mm-hmm. I think when I went there, started going there in 2002, 2003, um, it still made it herself, <laughs> her secret recipe. And then uh, after the, the storm, the, the, the place flooded. It was, was pretty much was destroyed. Then a lot of f- food writers and chefs went and helped it get rebuilt um, quite dramatically. Yeah. Um, but, um, and sort of brought it to a, a higher prominence, and the lines were longer. And, and uh, um, Miss Willemay died, and, and uh, you know, the, the kids continued it, and it's still awfully good, but it's not the same. And, and now they have like a couple of locations, and uh, it still takes. You know, an hour, but it's a it's the the chicken is cut differently. It was cut kind of randomly. It was it wasn't cut in the normal ways. You know, it would be uh, weird. I think she just kind of chopped it, chopped it up with you know, maybe with bad vision, and then uh, I think fried it fried it pretty pretty fast at a really high temperature and yeah some sort of breading. It tasted like a fine cheese. Mm-hmm. It was great. Mm-hmm. Willa May Scotch House. All right, so then um, go ahead and tell me about Duck Island Ale House's chicken. So and, and Duck tell Island. Me why there's an extraordinarily angry-looking picture of, is that Oprah Winfrey on, on the uh, homepage there? If the, I didn't understand what, they had some, something going on has to do with Oprah Winfrey, um, probably without her consent. You'd think. <laughs> it's a very unflattering photo of her. She's usually shown being very happy. Well, she usually has some control over how she's presented. Well, of course she does. But, but I don't think Duck Island is part of her empire. No, no. She would not approve of this if she were. It, so anyway, yeah, please please go on. Well, it's just a little bar right next to Beth's Cafe, which is a, an old 24-hour cafe um, place to go after the bars close. Um, and it's right next to uh, uh, Suzuki scooter dealership in a lawnmower place across from a 7-Eleven. 
Uh, good bar. It's 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 its features are this incredible fried chicken, which you get a little three piece. I got I, I got the two piece. I got a just like a breast and a wing. Yeah. Or you can get a three piece um, or, or more. And you get usual slides, coleslaw, potato salad, or JoJo's. JoJo's are an option oh. as a side. All right, good. And Shane got the JoJo's, and he forgot that uh, some like some foods like if they're hot on the outside. They're cooler on the inside. Mm-hmm. Not so with the JoJo. Yeah, yeah, Joe. that's where the heat resides. Yeah, it's like molten lava inside of. You break like that it's thing out from the inside out. The yeah. steam comes billowing out of a JoJo. Yeah, yeah. If it's hot, if it's warm on the outside, it's hot on the inside. If it's hot on the outside, don't touch that JoJo. Give that JoJo well. Treat it like like a good cup of coffee. You buy it. You you put it down. You carry you drive around. You go drive thirty miles before you start drinking it. Or like a like a lady you want to bed. You know, it's got a raging fire inside, but uh, doesn't want to come out right away. You want to have to take her across the county line or the state line. <laughs> you got to treat her right. You got to take your time. Maybe push right, her John. over to the to the edge of your plate for a little while until she's ready. You got to treat your JoJo like a lady. Treat your JoJo like a lady, Ed. Treat your lady like a JoJo. Yeah. So, uh, uh, how were the JoJos once they were once they were the right temperature? Oh, I didn't have one. You didn't ask for Shane. No, I was focused. I was focused on my potato salad, which had a little sprinkling of paprika on top. Nice. And uh, and then we just dove into the chicken. It's it's so good, every bit of it. Like the bones are good. And the bones fall apart. Something about the pressure cooking, the pressure frying. Yeah, I mean, just Wait, think what it frying. must be like. Pressure frying. Yeah, yeah, not just pressure cooked, but pressure fried. So it doesn't take very long. It's a very dangerous process, I'm sure. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Exploding, uh, uh, like Exploding volcanoes fryer. of oil everywhere. Yeah. That would be horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, Antietam. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but they also uh, uh, have a nice beer menu, and they particularly are fond of ciders. They have a lot of ciders and sour ales, mm. which is a specialty that is no good, no good at all. No, no, good. they make they make them. No, they 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 just sell, and you know, a, a connoisseurs selection. Of sours and ciders, but turns out cider is just the thing to go with fried chicken. A nice yeah. crisp cider, maybe even a fruity cider. I mean, it's already fruity, but you know, like uh, more than just an apple, or more than just a citrusy yeah. cider uh, is a nice counterpart to a uh, to a plate of fried chicken. I never thought of that. I, I, that seems worth trying. Try it. I mean, often, yeah, I think one would have sweet tea or iced tea with fried chicken or a Coke. Yeah. Or a beer. But I think a cider is a nice thing to try. I want, to, I want you to think about it. Are you a fried chicken eater? Yeah, I do like fried chicken a lot. Actually, yes, just yesterday, I went to, and I've talked about this place before, um, I had an editorial meeting. Um, with a with a grad student, uh, she'd give me a short story to read, and I knew that I'd be downtown near where she lived around lunchtime yesterday. So I said, "Let's just meet for lunch." 
Um, little did I know the story was very sexy. And as a result, I had to blush my way through the entire meeting. But uh, I also gnawed my way through some chicken and waffles at um, Waffle Frolic. Uh-huh. Nice. My favorite local waffle-themed uh, restaurant. So, um, uh, but I wouldn't say that there's some place in Ithaca that you know that chicken was fine, but I don't think there's some place in Ithaca that actually specializes in fried chicken, and that's something that perhaps we could use. Could be a business opportunity. Uh, speaking of food, um, one um, change in the Ithaca culinary uh, scene is that. Uh, bandwagon brew pub bandwagon started out as like a um sort of downtown basement situated restaurant that brewed a little beer on the side right uh now they're going to this is an article from the ithaca voice new brew house to increase production at ithaca's bandwagon tenfold tenfold so tenfold yeah, and their beer is really quite good. They started out; they didn't. It was some about one in three was really good, and they would they do a lot of wacky fruit beers and spicy beers and stuff. Some of which were all right, most of which weren't so hot. But they seem to have got their shit together, and the the beers are all really good now. And so we've got a straight up uh, brew pub uh, in Ithaca again for the first time in a while. Um, and they're going to make a bunch of the stuff. I'm very happy. The other thing is. Uh, the Ithaca Voice is this online newspaper that came out of nowhere um, about, was it a year? Not even a year ago, June 2014. Um, suddenly, all these articles were floating around the internet on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, anytime anything was happening in Ithaca, the Ithaca Voice was on the scene immediately. Um, when a... Uh, when a runaway truck crashed into our beloved Simeon's uh, downtown restaurant. Um, That's an ape restaurant? (laughs) (laughs) Is it owned by apes, staffed by apes, or does it just serve ape? Ape hands. Oh, God. Oh, God. I knew Russell Edson was coming down the pike. Uh, Ape tonight. Um, they the, so that was that was June of last year when this when this accident happened and so and a waitress was killed and the place was destroyed. It's still it back under construction. It was, a, it was really terrible. It was a, it was a um, a beloved place um, where all of us have you know eaten at one point or another or had a wine or something. So anybody anyone we knew could have been in there when this happened. Um, and this this newspaper, the Ithaca Voice, was just like sending out dispatches, and no one had heard of it just was a thing that suddenly existed as though created for this event. Um, but it turns out they had just started and it was just this one kid who was just hustling all over town all day long, making sure every, he was covering every newsworthy thing. And now they have, uh, they have a staff of six and um, they are the best local newspaper. They're, They're scooping the, uh, there's Times Herald. What's the, what's the main paper? The Journal, which is like a Gannett paper. It's it's almost there's almost no very there's very little local coverage in it. Um, uh, though a couple of friends of mine, both named Dave, uh, do good reporting for them. Their budget is small, and they're really not dedicated to aggressive local reporting. But these young folks at the Ithaca Voice are amazing. So I just wanted to 
I just wanted to plumb for them. Uh, just an, in, like an instantaneous online newspaper that was awesome right out of the starting gate and has continued nice. to be great ever since. Um, so yeah, uh, what were we talking about? You, did you send me another thing? Well, you were talking uh, about beers. We we're talking yeah. about uh, bars and ciders, fried chicken. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've drawn your attention to Tacoma's uh, brewery, Pacific Brewing and Malting, <laughs> uh, which has um, one of their specialties, their special beer. What's it called? I can't remember. It's called the Dirty Skoog. That's right. That's the Dirty Skoog IPA. <laughs> Jill stopped off there uh, on our way back up from Portland a couple weeks ago and got a growler of Dirty Skoog, and it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. I put it up. Uh, I rank it. Not only do I like approve of the naming, it's a good <laughs> beer. It's, it's like a, uh, uh, it's like a kettle house beer. Put okay. it on, on on par with the kettle house uh, cold smoke or a oh, all right. Eddie out. It's good. What's Eddie out? It's another kettle house beer. Well, I don't think I've had that one. Yeah. Um. It says here, Dirty Skoog IPA is named after the Skoog Saloon, a blind oh. pig speakeasy that is rumored to have operated somewhere in old Tacoma during Prohibition. Had you heard of this institution? And what uh, is a blind pig speakeasy? How does it differ from the run-of-the-mill speakeasy? I don't know. Really? You don't? I don't know. I don't know All that. Right. I wasn't there, man. <laughs> Somebody but named that- Skoog was... Nobody saw me. I wasn't there. Okay. It's just, um, it's, it seems like it's but, blind, blind so pig Jill, is just Jill, another name for a speakeasy. Yeah. I think Jill uh, Jill got the story somewhat. I think it was uh, uh, actually one of the brewers. It's a uh, it's in his house, and it was a uh, <laughs> like it's the basement bar um, in the house that he bought. Um, oh, cool. It ha- had been a speakeasy, but they know where it is, and it's not. We might be exaggerating a little bit. Mm. Some of it's uh, all right. Some of it's glamour. All right, good, good. That's that's fine. I'm 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 always uh, I'm always up for a good. Uh, but they just have it. At the, they just have it at the uh, in the tap room. They don't. They're not bottling it yet. But I hope that they do. I hope they bottle it and it becomes um, a big enough consumer product that it rivals the Skoog musical instrument. <laughs> in you know, it searches. turns out. The crazy thing is, I had, um, uh, I think, I don't know how this came about. Maybe it was that uh, my friend Zoe in Scotland, she either just read the the show notes for one of our, the episode where I mentioned the new version of the Skoog musical instrument, um, or she may have been listening to the podcast and um, mm. suddenly realized that her friend in Scotland, uh, I think her friend's husband is the, the Skoog is the engineer. Guy. He's the mm-hmm. Skoog engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Small world. Well, anything Small involving anything involving the name Skoog is going to bring people together. I think so. Well, I was glad to see that the uh, that Sweden um, recently and uh, the new uh, Swedish ambassador to the UN is Olaf Skoog. Ah, which is great because that was a that was that was on the on the list of names. Olaf. Which list of names? Oh, for for uh, Oscar. For Oscar. Oscar could have oh. been. He could have been Olaf. Oh. Could have been Eero. Does he have a middle name? Ralph. Uh, Oscar is his middle name. All right. What's yeah. the first name? Ralph. Ralph Oscar? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I didn't know that. Or yeah. I'd forgotten it. Yeah. So if he doesn't like what if he doesn't like what being one variety of old man, he can be another. <laughs> he's got no choice. No. Yeah. Well, he do, he will when he does when he's eighteen. Toby is Oliver. Is Oliver Tobias Ellis Lennon, and he doesn't like the Oliver thing. But something tells me maybe someday he will. Yeah. A lot of people call Oscar Oliver. Really? Just because they're idiots? Because they're idiots. Because the world's full of idiots. They mishear me, I think. Just like with Ed and Eddie. I don't know. Oscar seems like an unmistakable name. People are people don't pay attention, man. All right. You sent me a, um, uh, something for a film series at the Seattle Art Museum? I'm on a panel on Tuesday. Really? About discussing the Antonioni film Red Desert. Oh, um, at the Seattle Art Museum. Is this did our did our podcast lead to this, or is it a coincidence? No, it's uh, it's it's being administered by the Northwest Film Forum, and my friend Lyle Bush uh, organizes it, and he's putting together panels of people he just drew from people you know. So it's me and some you know, a couple of professors at UW of of Italian and film things, people with actual credentials to talk about the films of Antonioni. I think I, I don't know. What, I don't think I don't know what I'm going to say. It's a, it's a good movie. Lots of colors, pretty pictures. <laughs> Lady's really sad in it. You could do what I had to do when um, uh, when Brad down at the, the down at the Ringling uh, School. Uh, uh-huh. Asked me to bring my one of my favorite movies along on DVD, and said, "Well, you know, we'll just watch it one night with, with the students." And then I, I can't, and then on the way over to the building where we we're going to watch it, he said, "So there'll be uh, about forty five minutes for your talk. Is that all right?" Yeah. And I said, "What? <laughs> you can just do that. You can just pretend that you're not supposed to say anything at all, and then just show up and extemporaneously riff on Red Desert yeah. or." Il Deserto Rosso. Right. Starring Richard Harris in one of his first movie roles. Really? The Irish actor speaking uh, speaking Italian, passable Italian, I think. Yeah. God, you, yeah. you're, sending me, you're sending me thing after thing that involves I, well, I the, a, the great Northwest poet Ed Skoog. I know. I didn't know if you'd seen this. No, seen I my, hadn't. I was on the news last week. I'll, let me read this. Uh, Seattle is the can, byline. Uh, from his Roosevelt district home, Seattle poet Ed Skoog can see the crane move, feel the earth shake, and hear the commotion. Work yeah. on Sound Transit's light rail station is less than a block away. Skoog frequently walks with his two-year-old son, Oscar, past the construction site and peers through windows on the work. Without him, I think I might think of construction as a nuisance, said Skoog. But with him, I get to watch it all develop. Skoog right. wrote a city-commissioned poem. Yes, called I, I, Rail Station Under Construction. Yeah. So I read I read a poem to the city council of Seattle. And, <laughs> and they had a thing on the news about it. This guy came over and, and uh, spent you know a couple of hours with me and Oscar. Uh, I read the poem. Wow. I think the video's attached, right? I think the, yeah. the news item's attached. It's a pretty good little news piece. Uh, so this is the story of my, my leaving Seattle. I went and I had... Uh, had lunch at a good, a really good bar, a restaurant called Bar Sayor, S A J O R, in the Pioneer Square, um, with uh, Matthew Dickman and Mahed Zahir, 
and some other poets and um, just happened to be in town. Um, and then I had to get up to the city council by 1.45. And I was going to take a cab, but it's really not that far. It's just uphill. I'm fat and lazy. Uh, couldn't find a cab, and so I, 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 I'm not running, but I'm moving pretty fast. And uh, I have to sit downtown Seattle. Seattle ascends, you know, hill by yeah. hill, kind of level, you know, maybe 100 feet as, or more a street. And so, you know, climb up about three three street levels. And then I get to City Hall. I'm, I'm, I get there in time, but it's, I'm kind of pretty close. And then uh, I get to City Hall, and and there's this lot. Most of City Hall turns out to be a, a long stairway. It's like fancy staircase that has a stream running alongside of it. Oh. Um, you know, it's kind of rough-hewn uh, steps and... There's a lot of them, and I'm climbing up all the steps, and I get into the building, and the steps continue into the building, and so does the stream. The stream runs alongside. There's nobody around. Um, and if you kind of climb up into the building on the same staircase, and uh, you get a great view of suddenly you're pretty high above downtown, and you see the, the sound, and you can see the ferries, and it's, it's beautiful. It's a nice, majestic day in, yeah. in Seattle, and from here you can see kind of old Seattle and West Seattle. And uh, and I'm looking for the city council chambers, and I turn, and there's another set of stairs. Like it continues, but it's narrowing, like like the uh, like an yellow, yeah, like the yellow brick road, or <laughs> yeah, like narrowing. The path is narrowing as as you get closer, and or something, or Willy Wonka, like a Athenian Willy Wonka. You know. <laughs> um, and uh, I finally get get to the chamber and. Uh, my friend Sarah Galvin is there to. She's oh. going to do the introduction. Um, so she's there in a in a kind of suit and tie. Um, the city council. We get to the city council. I'm kind of out of breath, and uh, it starts. Um, the city council. The the, the chair um, misidentifies Sarah as a young gentleman. Keeps referring <laughs> to her as him. <laughs> And did, uh, was she? Did this it, unfazed? Did this, uh, unfazed? Yeah. Does it evoke a certain pride in her? I don't. She, I don't know if she noticed. I think she will when when she looks at the. It'll be <laughs> on like community television. Uh, I mean, she looks like a young, a handsome young Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, yeah she herself. That. Sure. Has, that's her. That she said that herself. Yeah, yeah. But still, it was. Uh, um, I had introduced them and clearly had said her name several times, so it was. Um, it was a it was a mistake of uh, it was an avoidable mistake on the councilman's part. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all right. And then uh, then I read the poem and we're done. So uh, say farewell, Sarah's got to go to some thing. And so I, I walk back to my car. And right as I'm getting back to my car, I get a, a text from from my wife saying that that she'd been offered a job in Vancouver, Washington. <laughs> 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 it was a, the dream. It was just very dream logic, right? It's like you have to go up and up and up, and the stairs, the impossible <laughs> stairs, the endless stairs. Then you address the the the, the chamber of elders, <laughs> and something about that had had had, had made uh, everything shift. And and uh, like, I'm not sure whether in the in the dream logic I had been. We had been rejected from Seattle as a result <laughs> of the poem, or I had just leveled up and I had won Seattle. <laughs> Do you uh, promote the Seattle to... game? Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that's a good moment. That's a good freaky moment. Well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, how, how, I mean, how do you feel about about this? I, I know you're attached to Seattle. You haven't seemed to evince any uh, anxiety about going down to Portland, but I've left Seattle before. Yeah, I left Seattle in 1998 or something like that. Um, I've left enough cities. I've left New Orleans. I've left Idlewild, Southern California. You know, I've left <gasps> home. I, uh, it gets each time it gets easier to leave. Left Missoula, left DC. Yeah, it gets easy to leave. It becomes practical matters. Like, do I need the White Album? Do I need to schlep the White Album to yet another state? Do you mean by the Beatles or by Joan Didion? I don't own a copy of the Didion. It's good. Oh, I know. I've read it. I've taught it. I just don't own a copy of it anymore. Yeah, I think we have a mass market paperback, which is the ideal form for a book to take, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I, feel, you know, I feel okay I, about it. It's going to be good for Oscar to have stability, to have, to have solvent parents. I think that'll be good. <laughs> Call me bourgeois. It'll be good for him to have solvent parents. Baby wants a meal three times yeah. a day. Um. I actually, I actually had maybe for the first time, I, I, I uh, indulged in a little uh, get me out of Ithaca rhetoric uh, this past winter. The snow. It was mostly the snow, <clears throat> yeah, and it wasn't just the snow. The th- the the weeks in since we last had a podcast, um, I tried to keep on top of the snow that was on the roof of our house. Our house has fairly shallow. Uh, roof, um, especially over the the music studio. So, um, ideally, I would get up there with a snow shovel whenever there was a heavy snowfall and just and just uh, shovel it off. But I didn't do it for a while because I was working and it was cold and I didn't want to. And thinking it would be a normal winter where we get a thaw every few weeks uh, and it goes away and then it comes back. But we had two solid months without a single moment over 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So the snow never went away. It just piled up, and it turned into ice. And uh, we started getting leaks everywhere. And there were just, you know, there was one weekend when I did, like, six loads of laundry just cycling the towels in the house that were catching the the water falling. And some of it was back here in the studio, too, which is full of things like you know, amplifiers and mixing boards and um, and records, uh, which I don't want to be damaged by water. So I was always, I was in this constant state of, um, of paranoia and worry that, uh, that my possessions were being ruined. And when I actually, I actually sat back and thought about, like, do, does it really mean that much to me if my records are damaged or if I have to get my stereo receiver fixed. I mean those are irritate those are annoyances but they're not they they sh- they shouldn't make me feel terror. But I think it was just the phenomenon of the inviolable um shelter of my house just fil- you know just li- little leaks everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um on the kitchen table, you know, we we didn't eat in the kitchen for a while because there's always water dripping in there. And I just said at one point, you know, does fucking Duke want to start an MFA program? You know, mm-hmm. can, can, you know, should I should I start vlogging myself? Yeah. 
Yeah. But actually, maybe Duke already has one. I have no idea. I think so. Yeah. But um, but uh, I, I, Cuba. I, <laughs> Cuba's opening up. Cuba, the country. Doesn't snow. Yeah. Actually, that would be pretty goddamn hip. Starting an MFA program in Cuba, we yeah. <laughs> talk about talk about uh, um, uh, American uh, cultural imperialism. Yeah, yeah, imper- yeah. Starting an MFA program in Cuba would be the beginning of the end. Yeah, but boy, we'd have a good time, wouldn't we? We'd have a good time. But now now it's thawed, and I got to take a long walk yesterday, and I'm remembering why I like Ithaca. Is the snow all gone? Snow's no, all gone? no, no. There, it, there was like two and a half feet of it, so it's um, it's much reduced, and you can see our, our driveway gravel. Um, but there's still – it's been 40, 42 degrees for a few days, and you can still see – it's pretty much still all snow. But you can walk outside. It's very Alaskan. Is that like so? It's a lot of snow. Yeah, like you yeah. got a lot of snow. Yeah. Yeah, it's been kind of a drag. I, it felt like uh, it would never end, and now it finally, uh, finally has. So, or it's about to. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll freeze and we'll get more snow. But um, I think it will be more reasonably proportioned until uh, April ro- rolls around. You think you'll be able to shovel out in time to get to AWP? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm not going to miss my trip to Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> in search of warmer climbs. Yeah, so I think I'll make an official thing. I got to check the AWP schedule to see when all the events are. But it looks like we're going to meet at the, the Okipanky board. Friends of Okipanky, contributors to Okipanky are going to meet at the Chatterbox, the Chatterbox downtown on Thursday afternoon. I was thinking more of a happy hour meet so that when I'm sure there are like offsite evening readings and things and events. I think Washuda might have something at 7 um, that might be a different night, actually. I, I've just been polling some of the people I'm most am looking forward to seeing from the from the. Yeah, I think Thursday, Thursday works fine for me. I, uh, I, I get in Wednesday night, I think. So. Electric Lit is having a cocktail party on Friday, so I think I'll, I'll make this on Thursday. Um, but yeah, having we're, a, just having, we're having a Frank uh, 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 event celebrating the publication of the Frank Stanford collected uh, book for Copper Canyon on Saturday. Oh, good. Event. Um, well, I I may very well uh, want to come along with you to uh, to that because I have nothing good. planned for Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm just now realizing that uh, it's less than a month away, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. So I'm looking forward to it too. It'd be great to see you. Nice. I get get all my little bottles. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, you know what? Actually, um, one last thing. I as I have become last year or so. I've been less stressed out about my job as I've kind of learned the bureaucratic ropes and have come to kind of, agree, agree, you know, in, informal agreements with the colleagues I'd, I'd kind of clashed with before. And so I'm more relaxed about work. And with this, my uh, interest in photography has returned. Oh, that was a big interest for you. And we haven't, we've barely talked about it. We've barely talked about it. And the reason is I think that I used to... Uh, one of the things I enjoyed doing was bringing my camera to Cornell events, like the like graduation or readings, and I would take pictures of visiting writers and our graduate students talking to the writers. And because uh, I was, I just d- moved to a different piece of photo software, so I was sort of drifting mm. through my photo library, looking at old pictures, and I realized so many of them are 
related to my job and the and the photos dried up when i when when work became <laughs> deeply stressful for me so now that my the directorship is uh, i'm in my last semester of the directorship and i'm getting along with people better um i've become interested just in, just in time to really become proficient at being the director it gets handed uh, yeah. off to the next person. That, right. well, my my initial <clears throat> reaction to the changeover was irritation, for that exact reason. It was like because now I now I actually feel like the the course break is a is a benefit. You know, I actually feel like I can use that extra time wisely instead of just like it felt. It felt like I was teaching two and a half classes instead of one. You know. Um, but uh, uh, but now I've now I'm happy about it. I'm glad I'm glad it's I'm handing it over to somebody else. And uh, and so I'm gonna bring uh, I'm gonna bring my camera to WP. I'll have oh, I'll get nice. to take lots of photos of Oki Pankians enjoying each other's company, old friends meeting new friends, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'll be the asshole with the camera, of course. But um, but later I'll forget that, and I'll think that I was actually uh, consciously engaged socially instead of yeah. merely objectifying. Other social interactions. It's good. It's good. Yeah, that's an, that's the kind of narcissistic alchemy. It's good to have a good to have I'm a camera at. and then to, to look at it ten years later. There's a photo of me of uh, from the Baltimore AWP, which is 15 years ago. Wow. Um, and it's uh, I don't know I can't remember who took the picture, but it's a uh, we're the in the bar, and um. It was before I knew in the photo. It's it's me. This is kind of standing over here, and then uh, my f- good friend Greg Pardlow talking to somebody else over here, and then Matthew Dickman talking to somebody over here, and uh, I think Major Jackson over here, and we're not. I don't know who is supposed to be a picture of, but I didn't. I didn't know any of them. At the time, <laughs> and are now our dear friends. Um, I don't think I think I don't think Greg knew Major. I don't I don't think I, th- I don't think anybody really knew each other. You just ha- it happened to be a it's group just sort of, of strangers. A cra- like we're all pointed differently away. Yeah, it's kind of a crowd shot of you know eight people. <laughs> that is who, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great picture. Well, I, yeah, I'm excited about this because um, I didn't I didn't bring a camera when I went two years ago. Um, but I, f- I feel like when I read the biographies of writers that I like or see, you know, um, articles about them online, I love to look at the photos of them and knowing who, you know, which other writers I know of that they knew and imagining what their friendship might have been like. And, you know, I, I, uh, well, it'll be I, useful to have for the fifth, for the 50th anniversary, Okie Panky <laughs> holograph celebration. It'd be good to have some pictures from the from our first get our second get together, yeah. first get together that I get to be at. Yeah, I did. I I was a little too distracted to take many photos at the at the first one. Although I did get that, I did get a couple of good ones of uh, Alice holding forth, which it turns out, and I realize now, Alice is usually doing. Uh, yeah, she's forth. great. She's, she's good, good at it. it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I, I I'm going to document this one a little better. All right, so um. This uh, our Eddie has passed, so I gotta I gotta get cooking. I got stink- things I gotta do, and you have a yard sale. Yeah, my yard yard sale is gonna start in about a half a Rutger. <laughs> <laughs> so, Maurice, me some of that old time religion, and <laughs> scoot on down the road. Are you hungry for lunch? 
It's time for love.